Welcome to State of Us Election 2020, Joe's new politics show where over the next few weeks we'll be discussing everything to do with this election. Each week, Joe's head of politics, Alan Coyne, and um, Ireland's best columnist. I like greatest. You like greatest. greatest. You greatest. Yeah, it's more quantifiable. Okay. Yeah. How, how do you how do you how do you find it more quantifiable? I like. I think it's easier to you know have grades of greatness, whereas best is a very like spectral thing. Right. We haven't even I mean? given your name because yeah, people yeah, know. Yeah, when, yeah. Once I say yes, of course, Ireland's yeah, greatest yeah, columnist, yeah, yeah. they know who I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. But in case you don't, it's Carl Kinsella. <laughs> I mean, the whingers that I hear every week saying, there's nothing happening. Well, all of the protesters that I have seen before uh, seem to have extremely expensive phones, tablets, uh, video cameras, and other... Sorry, sorry. It's more like um, a very trendy kind of boutique hotel type place, right? Fuck you, Deputy Stike. Fuck you. There's a very simple false assumption of which you're saying that I am a wealthy man. I wouldn't be... I wouldn't necessarily assume that if I were you. Ask my bank manager. When it comes to Sinn Féin and the rule of law and public order and condemning violence, it doesn't take very long for your balaclava to slip. Up the Republic, up the rebels, and it's Chucky Arlaw! Control yourself. Control yourself. I'm Dion Fanning and this is The State of Us. And each week we're going to discuss all things to do with the election we're not going to say we're only going to focus on the issues or we won't deal with trivialities because maybe we will but we will try not to get giddy about an internal party battle in the constituency and i promise if anyone uses the term senior hurling they will be <laughs> escorted from the building yeah. and i think I'll try to expel it's them from cricket metaphors only. For us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are no football yeah, metaphors. Yeah. There are no uh, sports metaphors allowed. But certainly not senior hurling is. <laughs> hurling. Uh, you're ex- you're expelled. Um, but anyway, the election was 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 called this week after after weeks of of breathless speculation about election date. Uh, the election was called for a date that nobody had breathlessly speculated <laughs> about, and. We're, we're beginning a campaign and the election is kind of in two parts, really. It's the, the campaign and the vote and then the interminable time afterwards when the actual government mm. will be formed. But we started in a week with an awful lot has happened. We've, we've got a slogan from Fine Gael, which is a future to look forward to. Fine Gael seem to be running on the future, even though they've been in power uh, for eight years, nine years at this stage. But Ellen, what is at stake in this election, do you think? Well, I mean, it's it's always the future. And if I had had such a traumatising experience with the slogan in 2016, as fin- Fine Gael did, I, of course, would have picked the most obvious, boring, dull slogan as well. Like, they may as well have just had, like, please vote for us. But it, it is always about the future. And I think in particular for younger people, um, this one can feel a bit more, like, esoteric because of the desperate need to act on climate action the fact that any of the parties who have the best manifestos on that will have to risk being in the political wilderness forever if they go into power and try to dilute Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael and get cancelled in the process um, and the second problem if you're basing it on being the future obviously that refers specifically to young people is the fact that a lot of our major cities are literally becoming inhospitable and while a lot of the parties are obviously talking about housing I think it's the number one issue for this election a lot of it seems to be focused on this idea that we still fetishise about home ownership but I think in the short term any of us who spend any time on social media can see tons of our friends putting up statuses about moving to Glasgow Manchester Berlin Um, and I think when I think about the future that's the thing that I think of first. Carl, you've said that this is a 
you know, election where Ireland doesn't really want anyone to be the next Taoiseach. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of not just anecdotal, but I mean, like polling suggests that, you know, the very most support that a party can muster is around 30 percent. So basically you're in a situation where no matter who you vote for when you go out on election day, the vast majority of the country is voting for somebody else. So no matter who you like, whether you like Fianna Gael or Fianna Fáil or Sinn Féin, there's this huge swathe of people out there who think you're wrong and who are going to hate your choice of Taoiseach and who are going to hate your choice of TD. So... We're in a situation where, as we saw at the last election in 2016, that a hung doll, a protracted uh, situation where there's kind of crisis talks and working out who's going to go into government with who, very likely that the same thing will happen again. And maybe even worse, because, I mean, it's hard to see Fianna Gael just doing a switcheroo and, you know, propping up Fianna Fáil now in a reversal of what we have. So I think, you know, going back to what's at stake is... In some ways, very little, and in some ways, everything. Because I think the reality of it is we're going to have a government that people don't want, no matter who ends up in government. I think people are still going to be unhappy. Uh, So, I mean, the future is at stake. But unfortunately, it seems like the only outcome is just vast displeasure. (laughs) But but that doesn't... So is is there really that much to say? Because this is the thing that I think we might try and push back against on this show because there, you know, there's an awful lot of excitement around an election and it has started quite dramatically mm-hmm. uh, with events. But when you put it like that, it doesn't seem like much is going to change. And so you're going to have this situation where whatever anger is out in the, in the country, and you know, I think everybody's probably agreed there is a lot of anger with a lot of, you know, for a lot of different reasons. We saw the farmers protesting mm. yesterday. You'll, for different reasons, there are a lot of... Uh, people unhappy out there but their unhappiness isn't going to really be 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 sated by this this election but like that's not what election like an election expecting that sort of like snap reform is like what you're talking about there is more a revolution than yes. an election oh, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to take more than like, 400 tractors yeah 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 double the tractors yeah double the tractors <laughs> like I guess like the key question is a lot of the anger is around obviously health and housing which is kind of like that's that's an evergreen problem but I guess the key thing is like if you've had almost a decade and two terms in power how many terms are Fine Gael saying that they need before you can get a house with a reasonable amount of money and hospital mm. care within a reasonable amount of time. Um, but I guess the point is, like, we just, with any of the other parties, you just ha- kind of have to take their word for it. Because I haven't really heard any kind of reforms that would sate that anger straight away. Well, if you are talking about, and we will get into this later in terms of the debate, but if you are talking about the TV debate, but if you are talking about Leah Radker versus Micheál Martin as the two potential, most you know, the only people who are going to be Taoiseach, what, what, what would you say on in health and housing are the differences, except, you know, Fianna Fáil seems to be yeah. a little bit fuzzier and warmer. Well, like, you know, re- is that, would that be correct? Well, like, just a kind of, without actually having any specifics, it's yeah. kind of like, maybe we can be a bit nicer and not as cold and uh, uh, robotic. Well, you'd say reputationally, Fianna Fáil would build more social housing. Like, mm. I think you would expect Fianna Fáil to build more social housing. Obviously, then you'd also expect all the pitfalls that come with having a Fianna Fáil government, yeah. which anyone who has lived in Ireland for longer than 10 years at any point will be aware of. Because, I mean, you know, if we're returning to a situation where developers have free reign to do whatever they want and, you know, bankers have free reign to do whatever they want, then, you know, like, that's not what people want either. Uh, so I think at the end, and of course, what needs 
needs to be remembered is that Fianna Fáil have signed off on the vast majority of what Fianna Gael have done mm. uh, throughout the confidence and supply agreement since 2016. So, I mean, to think that they're very ideologically separate is is crazy. Whether they're warmer and fuzzier, I don't know. Where's that coming from? Well, I'm just thinking from? of me. Well, I'm, I'm probably thinking of Michal Martin versus he's Leo war- warm and fu- I mean, obviously, you know? Leo Varadkar is like he's like the Tin Man from. Well, I think know, the most likable thing about Leo Varadkar is his inability to <laughs> have you know polite conversations or make small talk. Sort of like I, like re- a, I relate to that. Sort of like a C three C three PO kind of uh, C three PO. Yeah, well, I, I, I find that I find that that's. I think they should push. I can. I can't make small talk either. That would right, be that yeah. would be my slogan yeah, if I was yeah. Leo Varadkar. Yeah, that would know? be quite the radical approach to take when people are pointing at empty sites in the Midlands where there's yeah, vaguely might be some sort of community okay, hub in 10 years okay, and so just to tell them that you, you honestly don't give a shit and would rather well, no, get back in your car and I just can't, I'm not good at expressing yeah, yeah. I'm not good at you know get you know Bridging the time well, yeah, from yeah. the initial part of the conversation to the time yeah. we start talking well, about what you actually want to yeah, know. What yeah. I want to yeah. talk about. Well, yeah. so if there's one thing I like about Leo Varadkar, it's that I get the sense that if I was on a bus and he got on the bus, he wouldn't sit next yeah. to me. And that's great. You know, like I want to be left alone. Yeah. But yeah, as far as. Do you want that in a leader? Yeah, well, that's it. As far as communities in distress, I think he, he definitely doesn't see. Whenever any tragedy happens or whenever anything goes wrong and it's put to him, it always seems like his immediate response is to either shirk the blame or just like shake his head and just have an extremely cold response that's you know well our homelessness is worse in other countries or you know every country has a poor healthcare system you know like that's not good enough I think that's actually like what he would see that as is almost like pragmatism to a fault. Mm-hmm. And I think you saw it in the interview that he did with Brendan O'Connor when he was asked about cancer treatment for younger people. Or uh, last week, God, it was only last week, when um, that elderly woman was found on the streets of Dublin. Mm-hmm. And he just sees it as, he can't see the individual case. What he sees is the pragmatic thing of health services for children are getting better. Why mm-hmm. won't the media let me argue this instead of focusing on this one case of, or this one child? Or I have this like Rebuilding Ireland programme. Why is the media asking me to focus on this one Mm. Like it's it is a cold way of looking at things, but it's probably like his like academic ultra pragmatic way, and I think that's when he gets like ultra defensive mm. and comes across as cold and unfeeling. He, he did it, he did it when when he was on, on Ireland Unfiltered, and he, I noticed he repeated the same thing on that Brendan O'Connor interview when he talked about uh, children growing up in emergency yeah. accommodation. If you use that expression, yeah. he says, "Well, the average time." Uh, anyone spends in emergency accommodation, any family is six months. Yeah. So people aren't growing up in emergency accommodation as if that is, if yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, I've clinched the argument exactly. with that, with that or, point. Yeah. And because as you say, it is the fact he has the the, the yeah, statistics. Exactly. Yeah. He's completely there. correct. Yeah, but it's not but if, it, it horrifies people yeah. to hear yeah. it because you want like, you know, with politicians, the clever ones at least have the cop on to, this sounds really like, uh, cynical the cop on to at least pretend to care you have to do the like head to the side mm. thing these are all tragic cases we should all be ashamed of them but straight away he's like no my government is doing XYZ it's making things slowly better why aren't I getting the credit for it mm. why Whereas, am I being a, why yeah. is this conspiracy against me Whereas Fianna Fáil, to finish my warm and fuzzy point, Neil right. Martin does... Better pretending he, to care, basically. But he, he does seem to have, yeah, he has, he has better better empathy skills. Better people skills, yeah, yeah 100%. Um, but the problem with Fianna Fáil, I guess, is I, I am really, you know, when you start paying attention to them, this this only struck me yesterday looking at their uh, their Brexit uh, you know press conference 
and suddenly uh, it, it become I become aware for the very first time that Sean Hawhey is their uh, you know is their spokesperson yeah. on you know European foreign, foreign yeah. affairs. It's like what but this is what we're going to get. Like yeah. you vote for me, old Martin. Get Sean Hawhey, and like do we want Sean Hawhey on the international stage or even on the national stage or any stage? Like, yeah, but like the thing is, at the end of the day, you know, you say like. Again, with Varadkar, it's a situation where he can point to numbers and things slowly improving, but also at the same time, his pragmatism doesn't extend as far as like, you know, say like a hospital overcrowding being the worst it's been and like homelessness numbers going up. So it's kind of like he's only pragmatic kind of when he's got the figures that suit him. And then when the figures don't suit him, he'll just overlook it. As far as Sean Hawhey, like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like, this is this uh, what I think a big problem that people have with Fianna Fáil, right? Is that, yeah, Michal Martin, definitely seems like a more likeable to use your word warmer the Chewbacca to Leo Varadkar C-3PO uh, if you will uh, or the baby Yoda even uh, but yeah like with like Michal Martin it's like you vote for Michal Martin and you're going to have people put in the cabinet who maybe the country isn't crazy about like for example the, the TDs who are involved with the vote gate problem mm. where they're kind of like voting for each other you know Timmy Dooley is definitely someone who would possibly be in a cabinet um, Sean Hawhey is someone who possibly would be in a cabinet and all the associations that come with his last name well yeah um, well look we might get more into that if we talk yeah. about brexit a bit later but we'll go back to what we were you know housing which is going to be a big issue and it is it was the thing that uh, and homelessness which which kick-started this campaign and then did demonstrate that cliche if it is a cliche that events can mm-hmm. derail whatever uh, campaign whatever planned campaign there is but we were like that that was a kind of a shocking start to the campaign ellen like Maybe from the from the how you saw it going from a Fine Gael point of view, from a Leo Varadkar, Owen Murphy point of view. This you know the story of the man uh, sleeping in a tent on Grand Canal who you know was horrific, sustained horrific life changing injuries. Um, like did that sort of capture what is wrong with uh, Fine Gael's housing policy? A hundred percent. And you can see why they're trying to lead on Brexit and lead on the future, because they obviously can't lead this campaign on their health or housing records. And no matter what way they started the campaign, like they were up in the border counties, I think, when these stories were breaking, housing was always going to come to the fore. Um, And I think it could have been handled better if the Taoiseach didn't make that mistake of trying to defer the blame or defer the focus, sorry, is a better, more accurate way of explaining it, onto Paul McAuliffe, Mm. the Fianna Fáil Lord Mayor, who's also a major threat to Noel Rock in Dublin Northwest. Like that did make it political very quickly. And Mm. I know he dismissed that claim when it was put to him at the press conference. But again, that air of defensiveness when you're talking about the the number one issue that makes people most emotional, um, most angry at the government. They should have had the cop on if they could see it derailing the kind of Brexit uh, border county start their campaign to they should have they should have known that was going to happen yeah. they should and, have been and, prepared to handle it better. and his note that like oh we've offered this man emergency accommodation yeah. in the past we'll offer it again it's just like well aren't you a hero you know like yeah. as in you know trying to paint themselves as look we're we're doing all the right things if someone ends up upended into a dump truck that you know i can't be blamed for that yeah. you know and it just <clears throat> that obviously it just doesn't sit right with anybody you know yeah i wouldn't like the phrase known to homeless services become like the phrase known to guardians exactly when it's yeah. popping up in coverage like i think that was that was a big mistake stake as well and like trying to push it onto the Lord Mayor is like trying to hold Michael D. Higgins yeah, responsible yeah. for cr- crimes that take place in the Phoenix Park like that was uh, is that because that wasn't even like 
you know, I, I can see like the criticism of Neil Martin came out with this that you know they they were politicizing it. Yeah. Like it, everyone was politicizing it. Well, it's a political you know, issue. It is a for political sure. issue. Mm. So it's it's like you know it's going to be politicized. But to me, it was like. Why is he politicising it to the... Is like, it, has the Lord Mayor got any responsibility it's for this? It's a largely, like, ceremonial role. Like, I've, in covering, like, politics for, like, five or six years, I've never really heard anybody ask the Lord Mayor's office to comment on cases like that. And, unfortunately, over the last few years, we've have, had loads of tragic cases of homeless people mm. being badly injured or dying on the streets. I've never heard anybody from Fine Gael point the point the spotlight on the Lord Mayor's office and it just came off as kind of gross. So it was it was an attempt because of this, you know, uh, this, consistency yeah. battle, the stuff where, you know, uh, we're, you know, don't really reflect what, what matters to people. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was the reason why Leo Varadkar pushed it into that direction. It felt offensive. Like I can get it. Of course, that story would have made them panic. And maybe his political instinct was to push it onto Fianna Fáil because that's your instinct with every other issue as it comes up. You're not building enough houses. Well, Fianna Fáil left the place in absolute state. It's the same formula Mm. that's used for everything. But again, to not have the cop on to see that this is an empathetic, highly emotional, distressing, horrific story that you don't use the same formula for, I think shows that like those... It's it's like I, the piece in the Independent during the week that said like he's his own worst enemy and his own best asset. Like th- that kind of brilliant political response can be the best thing ever in a live debate. But when you're faced with this kind of story about a homeless person, to respond in that instinctive way in a political way is a terrible thing. Carl, where do you see this from the point of view? You were you did a report from from the Grand Canal and like as, you know it's in Owen Murphy's constituency. Yeah. Uh, like what do you think this does for? Owen Murphy, because whatever, you know, Varadkar and, you know, the, the pluses and minuses of yeah. how he comes across, like, is Owen Murphy sort of the toxic well, that's brand what, like, for Finnegan? Ob- obviously, this did happen in, in the constituency of the Minister for Tact and Good Timing, Owen Murphy, uh, who's, uh, you know, his canvassers had a poster up directly above <clears throat> where the man's tent had been moved into the into the truck. Um, I think he's probably more toxic than Leo Varadkar, certainly. Like, I think, obviously, you've had a situation where two motions of no confidence have been called in him. Uh, you know, like, it's the kind of thing where he has been in his position, he's overseen this rampant increase in rents, rampant increase in homelessness, and that he also doesn't give much of a sense that, like we heard in the, in the, opening, uh, in the opening music, that, like, Things like referring to co-living spaces as as if they're boutique luxury hotels or even framing co-living spaces which cost 1300 a month as a solution to the to the homelessness problem or to the housing problem when in fact they're just they're for wealthy people they're for people who you know probably already support Fine Gael and are probably already on board with what's happening in the country. So I think, yeah, you've got a situation where Owen Murphy is certainly not winning any new voters. And I think as time goes on and these problems get worse, he's probably alienating current feeling ale voters. And is that something that is going to, uh, like, it did seem on that first day as they were, as as this was happening, that, um, like, Leo Varadkar could be on course for a kind of Theresa May, May style, like 2017 mm election collapse now it doesn't like they've you know events which we'll get into other events have overtaken that and uh, taken the the spotlight off them but is there like is that still something that is uh, a possibility that you know this campaign if they continue to demonstrate this kind of tone deaf uh, outlook which is essential like as we talked about it does seem to be the one thing that uh, you'd need in a campaign that you know they can uh, they will be, be damaged and then you could be on the the brink of you know the uh, progressive 
visionary, radical, yeah. uh, government. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but is it something you think would be, is a concern for Fine Gael? Yeah, like I think we kind of forget because Leo Varadkar has been the Taoiseach for so long now that this, this is his first general election campaign leading the party. Mm. And back when he was fighting Simon Coveney for the job, the big thing that everyone in Fine Gael was saying was like, he's so, like he's so electorally successful. Like he's going to bring us into like, you know, this amazing majority government. So there's a lot of pressure on him. And I guess the concern is like he's very telegenic. He's going to be really good on the debates as will Micheál Martin. But like, how will he be out in rural Ireland by week three when the public starts giving more of a shit about the election mm. and start getting angry? Like I remember in 2016, during the Keep the Recovery Going thing, following Enda Kenny around and just having people just like yelling absolute dogs abuse at him from one end of the country, from one end of the week to yeah. the next. And again, that defensiveness that Leo Varadkar has, I don't know how he'll cope you were in Longford with him yesterday and what was yeah. like and is there anything you can gauge from seeing how he interacts with the like, public? Like canvassing with politicians it's impossible anybody who claims to know what the country is thinking is absolutely talking through their hole because all you get is people coming up to him going thank you so much for salvaging the country from Fianna Fáil and then other people in prison vans like calling him the C word and like flipping their finger at him but they brought him into like a very Finnegale cafe on Longford Town which is like a cafe slash clothes shop slash brow bar and like very like you know, Finnegale like successful business. And uh, this woman spotted that he was in there, just a woman that was passing on the street and like elbowed herself in and was really excited, was trying to take a selfie with Leo Varadkar in the background. Um, and in the end, I had to take the picture for her of her looking at the camera and just Leo Varadkar's back. But that was enough for her to be like absolutely thrilled. And I think I saw Maria Walsh there, the Finnegale MEP talking to the woman. And she was like, oh, you know, are you trying to get a selfie with a t-shirt? She's like, yeah, so excited. And she was like, and are you going to be voting for Fine Gael? And the woman was like, oh, definitely not. <laughs> So like he has like that, like with with Taoiseachs, the Irish public will always respond in a certain way to them like that. But Leo Varadkar does kind of have that more celebrity sheen to him. And because this is his first time doing a national campaign, there'll be a lot of people in counties down the country that have never met him before. And I'd I'd be cautious of, in Fine Gael if I was like going to try to convert the rate of selfie requests into vote mm. transfers. I don't <laughs> think that's actually going to happen. Um, so I think like it, it's probably one of the most exciting elections because it's a little bit more open and a little bit more hard to predict. Carl, how do you see it, like, from that point of view, from the point of view of a campaign? Well, like, obviously we saw the, the clip of, of the woman challenging him on, on honestly, v- like, a pretty pretty straightforward complaint. Like, what kind of gets me is, you know, she was kind of accused him of putting the interests of corporations and parasite landlords um, ahead of, you know, the interests of regular people. And that, to me, seems like if you're a Fina Gale, that's, like, complaint 101. Like, you know, that's the first thing you have an answer ready for. And he didn't seem to have an answer ready for that, and he just kind of got the hell out of there. Like, a, a comms person and came between the young woman and Varadkar and he just briskly walked off. And, you know, we we found her, we chatted to her and we did a report on it on Joe. And, like, as you can see, like, you know, the kind of numbers and traffic and traction that thing gets is, is huge. Mm. So I think you don't want to develop, a rep- as a campaigner, you don't want to develop a reputation as someone who gets out of there as soon as you're confronted with the most basic of accusations or complaints, you know? Mm. It's not as if he was being challenged on something earth-shattering. He was literally being told, I think you, you prioritise landlords over renters, mm. which you would think he'd have an answer for. If he doesn't have an answer for that, like then what in God's name does he have an answer? But do for? we again, like, like if you look at the you know the recent election in the UK, like a lot of uh, too much emphasis was put you know by people like us who yeah. are on social media all the time for and sure. what we yeah. were hearing yeah. on social media, 
And, you know, what I noticed about uh, that incident, you know, and, you know, your story on it got a lot of traction, as you say, in the, in the actual main evening news, mm. it didn't even it what didn't even feature. So the people who are are uh, I don't think I don't think it did feature. Um, but the people who are who are getting their news from, you know, the 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 the, the, the mainstream media. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I should actually yeah, yeah. escort myself the from the building. Media, building yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say that that also is out along with, <laughs> with senior hurling. So I'm going to uh, remove myself yeah, as yeah. presenter of the show. Um, but no, but the, but, but the people, that stuff isn't necessarily yeah. being reflected. We can see a lot of anger in these things. We can see this stuff. Yeah. But the people who are, uh, who are actually paying, you know, paying a little bit of attention aren't paying attention to that stuff. I more so mean like on the ground, right? If you're a natural born campaigner, like if you're some kind of Bill Clinton type who shakes every hand and you're warm and you're friendly with everyone and you're confronted with that extremely straightforward complaint, like you should be able, like I think a natural campaigner would see that as an opportunity to come across really well, whereas he sees it as a crisis situation that he needs to get out of right away. Um, and I think that's not going to stand to him when he's in Longford and when he's in Cavan and Monaghan. If you have a situation where he's he's very civilly confronted with, you know, a very basic bit of, you know, anti-Fine Gael rhetoric, if he's going to dart for the hills right away, then people are, you know, if he's he's all across the country doing that, people aren't going to, it doesn't reflect well on him. Um, and it won't reflect well on Fine Gael, I don't think. Um, Varadkar then, uh, you know, the, the kind of uh, breathless nature of the campaign itself was sort of emphasised then by day two when uh, Sinn Féin were the party on the, on the defensive and Varadkar was, uh, you know, like being, you know, uh, on, on, you know, outrageously and unfairly attacked by Sinn Féin councillor Paddy Holohan. Uh, who made comments about his, uh, you know, his his his, his heritage, his, yeah. his heritage um, and other, you know, homophobic comments about him? Um, like Ellen, that story is is still developing. Um, like, how did you feel first of all that Sinn Fein handled the, the the first stage of it, which was you know how Mary Mary Lou and the party dealt with with his kind of you know strange non apology apology yesterday, but maybe you can also bring us up to speed on what's been happening since. Yeah, I think I think it was a mistake. Like Sinn Fein demanded an apology very quickly, but then when Mary Lou was out doing campaigning yesterday, she appeared to us accept what most of us would describe as the non apology apology, like sorry for taking offence to my outrageous mm. uh comments about the T shirt which were homophobic and also a little bit racist. Because I could very vividly imagine Mary Lou's incredible spiel had this been a councillor from another party who had made similar claims. And uh, I think a lot of political journalists are going to find ourselves parsing through an unbelievable amount of archive from Paddy Holan's podcast because um, earlier on today we found a clip and published a story on Joe.e where in the same episode of the podcast the South Dublin councillor and MMA fighter suggested that there are, to quote him, loads of underage women who are having sex with men and then blackmailing them out of sums of up to €10,000 um, under the threat of reporting those men for statutory rape. And these were along with some comments which just generally uh, criticised the ethos of feminist campaigns which suggest they would always believe victims of sexual violence. And as well, a claim that men are facing a double standard and Paddy said that, you know, a woman could joke about being annoyed at her fella and threatening to chop his dick off but he couldn't joke about getting into bed with his bitch and uh, wanting to strangle her and box the head off her. Um, 
Have Sinn Féin, you would imagine they would have uh, listened to some of these these podcasts. But like, this is like outrageous, incredible stuff. Yeah, like as I was saying earlier, for a podcast called No Shame, it's been the source of deep shame for Sinn Féin and probably a bit more to come. And what has their reaction been to, the, to that? It's super quick. Like, I mean, probably one of the quickest responses I've ever gotten from a party press office. They said that the comments are completely inappropriate and don't represent the views of Sinn Féin at all. Um, and this one is going to be super problematic because one of the things that Mary Lou has been really successful at since she took over from Gerry Adams is positioning Sinn Féin as a very like forward looking progressive feminist party um, that took that very quickly changed its position on things like repeal to come out mm. as even more feminist than Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael. Like these are comments that skirt very close to being like an incel manifesto. Mm. It's horrific. Like it's really bad. And this is just from one episode. Like it seems like there was very basic party vetting which fell to the side, maybe because this councillor is very popular with a certain cohort of people, comes across really well, really adds to Sinn Féin's kind of working class representation. But and is, you know, what has been put to me, is suggested to me, is that he is somebody that you know that demographic mm-hmm. looks up to. Well, he topped the polls in, yeah. The, yeah. in the local elections. Yeah. yeah, like this is the last thing. This is what happens in general elections. Like he's not even like he's a councillor. Yeah. Uh, he's not running for yeah. general election. But this is what your party's going to be faced with for the next few weeks. Like we're only on day three, and um, to have someone like that have a second incident within two days and not have some sort of procedure to at least give the air or perception of disciplining him is really stupid. But, but, but going back to like, you know, uh, as we're recording, he may he may be making another apology, but his first apology was, well, you know, like he, yeah. he, he had one his final words were something like he didn't seem to uh, even accept that he well, may have, may have said, th- said what he said on, on video. There's such a distinction to be made between apologising for an act and apologising for potential offence caused yeah. by an act. Mm. You know, he hasn't in any way, you know, he said they were misinterpreted and if they weren't misinterpreted, then he didn't say them at all. He mm. said, I would never make such remarks, yeah. by which I guess if I'm being generous, he meant I would never make remarks that were perceived in yeah. the way that they were perceived, which is not that that's not the way the world works. If you say what you say, you have to stand over it or you have to clarify it or qualify it or you have to apologise for it. You have to withdraw it. And uh, he obviously has done... He hasn't apologised for what he said. He's only apologised for uh, the offence given. Um, Varadkar himself said it was enough. Uh, the apology was enough. And I think that was probably him almost like splashing a glass coal. He must have felt so relieved when this came out. Because, I mean, after the day one Fine Gael had, you know, for Sinn Féin to fumble so badly. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, Mary Lou Macdonald said she was satisfied that there'd been an apology when I think everybody can see that there was no apology. Mm. Uh, and obviously, as we say, it's a developing story. You know, more things could come out that, you know, it does seem like a failure of vetting uh, in, a, in a massive way, which, I mean, they have to, Sinn Féin have to be extremely disappointed about that. Um, and what does it do? Like that, clearly, this is something that needs to be addressed, and you know, Sinn Fein have to take action on it. But it, the, the general sense, you know, the, this general sense of uh, news stories coming to the fore during election, which is just inevitable. Like, how does it do you feel play into this, uh, into the idea of getting people to be interested in the bigger themes? That may be part of the election because we'll talk about you know like you know one of the big one of the you know the biggest uh, issue facing Ireland and you know everyone is is climate change uh, and yet it is and you know the Greens are expected to do well but like how do you think they will actually cope in a, in a, in a in a system again, and this is the this is the thing with the Irish electoral system. It is you know the cause of and solution to mm-hmm. all our problems because 
uh, every every constituency hangs on and, and so few votes can make a dif- difference. Like, will do you think? Do you think Ellen the Greens will be successful on the on the big issue of of climate change and and or will they have to work their constituency and and concentrate on local issues as well? I think they're probably nervous because there's a lot of expectation being put on them. And I think I heard during the week Eamon Ryan was extremely fraught that some newspaper had claimed his seat was as safe as South Dublin houses, which is like the worst thing a candidate can hear. I think we already saw, uh, I thought, a kind of worrying inability by the Green Party to deal with those stories that will come out during an election when Eamon Ryan made some comments about, which were perceived as him trying to take away Colchie's cars or having a village share like Mm. a number of vehicles. And the response was a little bit Trumpian. Like you had people on Twitter, kind of Green Party people bemoaning the mainstream news, which again was quoting their politician directly Mm. and publishing it and then holding him to account for it. Um, And I mean, we were doing... um, some interviews during the week with candidates and I think there was Mark Ward the Sinn Féin councillor who was trying to spin that the Green Party are just Fine Gael on bikes so I think right. like you also have the problem that the Green Party is not we've seen a lot of like really impressive uh, climate justice movements in Ireland over the last year those groups have been really careful to be apolitical so the Green Party probably won't pick up all of the political capital that's been in moves like the schools uh, schools, climate strikes or Extinction Rebellion because those groups are really keen not to let any political party kind of come in and make hay on their activism. And also a, a major climb down on the reintroduction of wolves. Well, that's what I was going to say. Was, you know, like, I think we were all disappointed. But like, uh, if you're going to, yeah, you know, yeah. to abandon yeah. the, you know, like, God to... knows how many votes he lost with that. <laughs> well, I couldn't believe that. <laughs> Humiliating like, you know, climb down. Car, we're backing yeah. you all the way. You stand yeah. strong on the cars, Eamon. But no, I think and also the wolves, yeah. for but fuck's sake. There's got to be, like, I think in the Green Party now, there's such a kind of uh, not like a not a schism, but like there is a difference between the sort of TDs who were there back when they were the junior coalition party uh, alongside Fianna Fáil and the young councillors they have. Like they, there is a very progressive young side to the Greens, which I think couldn't be further from Fianna Gael. And then I think you do have the kind of older guard like Eamon Ryan, who I'd say he would never rule out. And I know he hasn't ruled out going into coalition with Fianna Gael, whereas I think that would be antithetical to some of them. You were with uh, you were with Saoirse McHugh this week, uh, who was somebody who during the or after the European elections ruled that out. Um, how do you think she she is coping with uh, you know the, the 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 contradictions between local and you know big issues, and also that sense of is it right to be within the system as as somebody campaigning for climate change? Yeah, I mean, I think it's extraordinary that you have so many young people who really want to vote for the Green Party and then are going to be bitterly disappointed if they end up in power. Like, it's a weird way to go into an election. And Saoirse McHugh, I think, has made it clear that she would probably end up as an independent if the Green Party went in with Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael. And I know that there's plenty of people in maybe Independence for Change who would be delighted to poach her. Um, But she made a really interesting point uh, when she was talking to us about how if you have a businessman who decides to run for Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael, the business interests that he represents will keep him very close as soon as he goes into politics and will make sure that he does always advocate for them and lobby for them and protect their interests. But if you have somebody who's an incredible activist, whether it's on climate or housing or feminism or LGBT rights, if that person goes into mainstream politics, particularly if they end up in a position where they have any sort of power or supporting a Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael government, they're effectively like excommunicated from the movement. And Saoirse was making the point that it would be a lot better if people could keep 
left-wing politicians as close as people on the right will. Because you will have bills going through the next government where you'll absolutely have people from um, like the coal industry or the oil industry talking to politicians. And I think it would be fantastic if you had people from Extinction Rebellion and the Climate Strike in the Oireachtas outside those committee rooms talking to them as well, as we did with Repeal, which is basically the last thing that went through the Oireachtas, which was seen as being completely incompatible with the system. But they ended up with a free, safe legal law because those people engaged. And is the problem that people think once these politi- once politicians from the left go into power with Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael that they have sold out and then they're they're kind of you know they're they're dead to them. Well, yeah, like I mean, if the Greens went in with Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael, their entire purpose would be diluting down both of those parties and trying to push them towards more climate justice measures mm. and anything that I mean that effectively is already a compromise. But I suppose the argument is people in Extinction Rebellion would say that it's too late for compromise, that the threat is too existential. Um, but I guess on the other side, people like Saoirse McHugh who would engage in politics would argue that the fact that you're running out of time means that you have to engage with the system that you have already. Because if you're waiting for a point where at which it's neither Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael that's going to be in government before you get involved in climate justice and mainstream politics, like we'll all be dead. Yeah, I think a lot of the scepticism comes from like historically, I think junior coalition parties have been like way too slow to try and flex their muscles in a partnership. Like whereas like the Greens under Fianna Fáil just signed off on way too many unpopular uh, measures and like Labour in partnership with Fianna Gael, where Labour had like 37 seats, so had quite a lot of sway, went back on so many promises, you know, like no uh, increases to like student fees and all sorts of things. So like, I think people are very sceptical. I think people are quick to to very much dismiss if a left-wing candidate gets elected and then goes into government, into a coalition with Fianna Gael or Fianna Fáil. I think they're like, people are very sceptical because we've seen in the past that, um, you know, these left-wing progressive parties have been very much they've, they're like basically get ridden roughshod over you know but there's not much else if you want change it's hard to know what you what you can do in that situation because yeah, it, yeah. it is the the fate for every smaller party yeah, most yeah. of the time when they go well, into I think coalition they have that to, they are decimated they have by to be more prepared being in government to, they have to be more prepared to collapse the government you know like I think that's that's what left wing people want you know like that's you what want, they, we're, back, we're back to revolution we're back to revolution back yeah, to yeah, more yeah. tractors yeah 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 2,000 tractors. 2,000 tractors. I I think, though, like people on the left hold their own people to a higher and sometimes more unfair standard. Like, I think we ended up with a ultra pro-choice independent lesbian in the last cabinet when Catherine Zappone went in. And she was very quickly effectively cancelled by some of the people who campaigned for her when she backed the Citizens' Assembly because it was seen as pushing repeal out. In the end, she was proven completely correct Mm. because we ended up with a free, safe legal law only because of the Citizens' Assembly. But when the referendum came around, everyone was talking about fucking fancying Simon Harris and nobody was talking about Catherine's opponent and she might lose her seat now. So I wouldn't blame someone like Saoirse McHugh for making that point because effectively it'll be people on Twitter talking about what a disappointment she is or whatever, but like retweets aren't going to help us when we're like underwater. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I I think I get, I see both sides and I 100% get where Extinction Rebellion are coming from, from keeping the climate movements apolitical. But I also think like all you're doing there is making sure that there is 50% of the electorate who will just continue voting for Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael while the rest of us feel too apathetic to engage at all. Well, on that note, uh, Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael are, are we, as we've said, the only choice for Taoiseach, but they're also, for the, the main debates, they're also going to be, the, the, the Micheál Martin and Leo Varadkar are going to be the two people uh, head-to-head 
for for at least some of the debates. Um, Carl, that's something that you feel uh, shouldn't had, be happening. I had a dream about this last okay. night. And I don't want to style well. myself as a prophet or anything, but in the dream, Michal Martin's trousers fell down as he was speaking. And that's, I mean, I don't even know. Is that? I don't know if that's prejudicial to like information to put out there and be like, is that going to harm his chances now that I've had <laughs> well, this in, dream? In, in, but, in, the, in the interest of balance, somebody has to say that they had a dream about Leo Yeah, Rackers exactly. Yeah, yeah. Down. And the worst part was Leo Varadkar was there like pointing and laughing. And like I was just there watching this all, and I was like, "Wow, this really is a dramatic election campaign." Um, but yeah, I your think subconscious is an interesting. Place. Yeah, I, my point is that like obviously there is something to be said for if you've only got two possible heads of government to see them in a head-to-head sort of combat style. Uh, TV special is it makes some degree of sense. I just think it's probably not the only way that we can examine them, and I think it probably is unfair in like in a parliamentary system to give that much of a boost in terms of airtime and like a platform to their policies. It's a bit of a it's got to be a kick in the teeth for like Sinn Fein and Independence and the Greens that they're going to be effectively cut out of a huge policy discussion that lots of people are going to watch and turn into. But but, um, but it isn't like we I I get your point, but we've seen it a lot in the just the general election coverage so far because uh, like the, the, the curse of you know of broadcasting regulations and balance which means that you have all these people on you have all these reports from from campaigns as well everything is timed to a second mm. so you're actually mm. learning nothing are you not learning everything is just yeah. like let's get the let's you know get hit our hit our minutes and seconds mark and you have six people on a panel and you don't learn anything so there are only two people who are going to be Taoiseach uh, let's 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 have them debate. If one of their uh, trousers falls down, yes, yeah. then we know something about one of one of the people who's going to lead us. I I, I don't. Told, that like, sounds kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What I, like, do we know, Dion? <laughs> I'm a hundred percent in favour of the head to head between Varadkar and Martin because there's going to be a bajillion other debates in which all of them will be involved, and it'll just be the Shall usual. Yeah, like the and that's on morning, noon, and night on RT Radio One on all of the television programmes and all of the debates. The fact of the matter is that. One one of them is going to be the Taoiseach and then the only thing we don't know is which mishmash of independents or left-wing parties will effectively have to prop them up. And I think that while it might not make sense for people who are left-wing and hate both Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael, there's probably a lot of people who would rather know which of them is going to be the Taoiseach. And I think it's just, it actually stands to the fact that at this moment in time, both of the main parties have pretty good leaders. Um, like my shallow, like shitty Paul side just wants to see the spectacle of it. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I think that this general election does have more of that kind of presidential air to it because you're very, like you're very much voting for who's going to be the Taoiseach rather than who you just rather have as your local TD. I, I just think it's quite unfairly disadvantageous. Like given that, like it is. But they'll a have part- other debates. Like Sinn Fein will be on yeah. another debate. Labour will be like they but don't like have a you chance say, of being Those the will be like the shouting over debate. So it means that the cleanest debate that anybody gets is going to be exclusively for Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. And yeah. like if you have a situation where like Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are both on about 27%, Sinn Féin are on 20%, like that's obviously only like three up and three down in the difference. There's only one poll that matters. Correct? Right, of course. Yes, yes, yes. I'm turning yeah, into yeah. the person who's yeah, 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 yeah. All yeah. of the stereotypes only, only, only one half, wicked that, you know. <laughs> it's only half time. But like but the like, thing is like if Sinn Féin could go up by three and Fianna Gael could go down by three, like then they're literally neck and neck in the polls. So it doesn't seem fair to have a situation where you are giving two hours of probably what will be the most watched debate and probably what will be the cleanest debate purely for Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael policies. Because 
it's not just going to be about personality. It is going to be about their entire platform. You but know what neither, I mean? Like, it's the most pragmatic debate because neither of them are going to go into power with Sinn Féin. And it's also the best thing ever for Sinn Féin as well as Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael because it adds into their persecution complex about the establishment <laughs> being against them and how Orti hate them and they're afraid of them and blah, well, blah, yeah, I'm blah, blah, delighted blah, blah. by that, I'm sure, yeah. So, like, I just think it, like, there will be other debates where you'll have, like, the five main parties and Mary Lou can do, like, her usual stick about how the two of them are exactly the same and, like, you've seen the Sinn Féin party putting up memes about it all week from The Simpsons where you've got exactly the two same two people debating each other. Like, they're perfectly fine. They're mm. happy out with it. Um, but I think I can totally understand the rhetoric from RTE. But, like, debates are, debates are up there with, like with the senior hurling thing for like things that Paul Corps like whip themselves into a frenzy mm. over. Yeah. And, and they really don't they're matter always, in the end. There's yeah. always some source of outrage but I think it makes complete sense to let people pick well, maybe, their two Taoiseachs. Well maybe none of it matters and uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, on, yeah. I'm on that Yeah on we that can't note, discount that possibility. Yeah. <laughs> on that note uh, having you know skipped through you know no no sporting more, more, more sporting metaphors <laughs> we're going to uh, I think we'll bring it to an end for, for this week. Uh, Carl and Ellen it's been fantastic having you and look forward to your, you'll be reporting for Joe around the country during the election and uh plenty of stuff there and we'll be back uh, next week just want to thank everyone who made this show possible Paddy McKenna Paul Donegan Mick Brennan Emer O'Grady Ian Boyle and uh, a special thanks to Alan Kinsella for uh, no relation by the way just no no relation but he's provided uh, all our uh, election memorabilia here uh, which is uh, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Before we go, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. See you next time. I mean, the whingers that I hear every week saying, there's nothing happening. Well, all of the protesters that I have seen before uh, seem to have extremely expensive phones, tablets, uh, video cameras, and other... Sorry, sorry. It's more like um, a very trendy kind of boutique hotel type place, right? Please. Fuck you, Deputy Stark. Sorry. Fuck eight, you. Eight, eight. There's a very simple false assumption which you're saying that I am a wealthy man. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't necessarily assume that if I were you. Ask my bank manager. When it comes to Sinn Féin and the rule Tisha. of law... Tisha. Public order Deputy and Benjamin. condemning violence. It doesn't take very long for your balaclava to slip. Up the Republic! Up the Rebels!